Welcome to the Econ Dev Show. We explore the strategies, ideas, and insights that are driving economic development forward into the future. You'll hear new insights from passionate EDs about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from attraction and retention experts about how to apply actionable strategies inside your EDO. We'll help take your organization, your community, and your career to the next level. Here's your host, Dane Carlson. Our episode today is brought to you by Cathode Ray Media. Cathode Ray is a full-service marketing agency that connects government organizations to their communities. Wondering how they can help you? Here are just a few ideas. They use ingenuity and imagination to create awareness of progress and opportunity within your community. They help residents and visitors find local shopping, dining, and service businesses. They make residents and stakeholders aware of challenges that affect them and their community, while encouraging them to get help or get involved. They can also work to help attract new small businesses while helping micro-entrepreneurs learn how this small but mighty woman-owned and operated marketing agency can help your community. They use tried and true methods that will connect your organization to your residents using social, digital, and traditional media. Curious? Visit cathoderay.com, that's K-A-T-H-O-D-E-R-A-Y.com to learn more or ask for a free no-obligation consultation. We thank Cathode Ray for their support of the Econ Dev Show. Welcome back to the Econ Dev Show. I'm your host, Dane Carlson. I kind of have a frog in my throat this morning, so I apologize if this sounds a little funny. Anyway, this is the inaugural edition of Ask Dane. Every week, you ask and I answer. Sometimes the questions only need short answers, and other times they require tons of research and contemplation. This issue is a little bit of both. If you have a question for Ask Dane, please send it to me. I'll include the link in the show notes. Our first question today is, what inspired you to start the Econ Dev Show? And how does your experience as the Director of Economic Development for Galveston County, Texas, inform the content of the podcast and newsletter? Great question. Honestly, it was COVID. I was craving a connection. I don't know about you, but I like to go to conferences, to hear the talks and meet other economic developers from around the country. I want to connect with people, listen to their stories, and discover their challenges and how they overcame them. Stuck at home, like everybody, I was missing that. In Texas, for the most part, the cities take the lead in economic development. They have the tools and the powers at their disposal to compete internationally. So at the county level, I mostly just try to help our cities. I fill in the gaps and bring resources to bear where I can, but my position is mostly there just to help. During COVID, I found myself reassuring people over and over again that things in Galveston County, in Texas, and in the U.S. were going to be all right. And more than that, the supply chain challenges we all experienced were harbingers of a changing world, a dismantling of the system that we've known for nearly 75 years. And this new world is going to need economic developers more than ever. I could do that with a newsletter and a podcast for more economic developers everywhere. And so I started the Econ Dev Show. Question two, it's evident that the pandemic played a significant role in the inception of the Econ Dev Show. How have you seen the role of economic development professionals change or evolve since the onset of COVID-19? And how does the show address these new challenges and opportunities? Another great question. The pandemic sped everything up. Now, 2023 was always going to be the year that the baby boomers started retiring in mass. And we've got about a decade of labor trouble ahead because there are not enough Gen Xers and millennials to fill the jobs as those baby boomers retire. 
As a result, economic developers will, pay a, will play a much more active role in workforce development going forward than in the past. In the same vein, there's not enough childcare in many parts of the country to house all the children during the day. In many places, women who want to work can't because they have to stay home with their young children. In many places, increasing childcare has become a huge priority for EDOs. Economic developers tell me that when they apply for jobs in new communities, they are being asked more and more if they've had any experience with childcare. This was almost never, but very rarely, a question I heard pre-2020. Next up is housing. We all know it, there just isn't enough housing in the United States. We've dramatically underbuilt new homes for basically the last 40 years, and this has to change. And more EDOs every day are playing a role. Fourthly, I mentioned it previously in another answer to another question, but uh, inflation. The US is decoupling, not just from China, but ultimately from the rest of the world, in a sense. It's not a political thing. Donald Trump started it with a tweet, but Joe Biden has turned basically every one of Trump's trade tweets into policy and implemented them on steroids. The U.S. is going to be in the manufacturing business again. There's no doubt about it. I've heard estimates that we may double our industrial manufacturing stack in the next five years. That's good, and it'll make us more resilient. But unfortunately, in the short term, building new factories, railroads, bridges, pipelines, and ports is inflationary. So is building new houses and raising wages because of labor shortages. Everything that I've mentioned, basically in both answers to both questions today, is inflationary. And this is a challenge. Now, I've yet to see any economic developers really try to tackle inflation, but I do have some ideas. So stay tuned for that. Finally, economic development marketing and attraction is changing because of the lessons that we learned during the pandemic. Basically, nobody went to conferences or trade shows for more than two years. That changes things. That re-sort of imagines the sales process for B2B companies, for direct-to-consumer companies, for businesses looking to expand, relocate, you know, check out new real estate, whatever it is. This changes sort of everything. I mean, even the number of jobs that I've heard of people getting hired for purely off of virtual interviews, that changes things. If everybody's willing to do everything virtually, it radically changes things. Like I said, Zoom is in, and this is completely changing how EDOs think about their outreach. I hope that answered the question. Next question. In the realm of economic development, there's always something new to learn. How do you stay informed about the latest news, insights, and best practices in the field? What resources do you recommend for others who want to stay up to date and contending their knowledge? Oh, good. I like this question. Honestly, just read and listen to the Econ Dev Show. Seriously. I work really hard to put everything I've learned in the last week into each episode and newsletter. Thursday's What Economic Developers Need to Know This Week, that email is a ton of work for me, but it really encapsulates what's going on in the world. And honestly, use the information in that newsletter to make yourself look good. Pepper the information that, I, that you read in your slides and your presentations, when you talk to your board members, you know, Grab something out of there, throw in an email, send it out. You know, maybe to your executive team, maybe to your members, maybe to, you know, whoever that might be. In addition, I totally recommend that you go to conferences, that you read more books, that you listen to more podcasts, and you watch more videos. Keep learning. Economic development is not static. It is totally dynamic, and it is always changing. Next question. As someone who wears multiple hats in the economic development world, how do you balance your responsibilities as both the host of the Econ Dev Show 
and the Director of Economic Development for Galveston County. What strategies do you use to manage your time and maintain focus on your different projects? Great question. I am a massive believer in to-do lists and documenting everything. Now, I have a personal reason for doing this. My father has Alzheimer's disease. And because of this, I don't like to rely on my brain to store information because I see what it looks like for him. Instead, I write, or more accurately, type everything down. I outsource my memory. And I think this is the real magic of the information age. It's not that it allows us to know more, which is what I you know, originally thought. When I imagined the internet before it existed, because I'm that old, I thought that it would allow us to know everything. But instead, it enables us to know less. It enables us to outsource our memories. We can write things down and we could find them later. Do it. Next up, I use a to-do list. Everything I need to do goes on that list. If my wife asks me for something, it goes on that list. If work asks me to do something, it goes on that list. If something from the Econ Dev Show needs to be done, it goes on that list. Everything goes on that list. I can talk more about that later if you'd like, but I use reminders on the iPhone and the Mac for the to-dos, and I use Obsidian for the notes. I'll put the links to those in the show notes. Final question. Last week, you went to South Padre Island to watch SpaceX maiden test launch of Starship. Any economic development insights from that trip that you want to share? Oh, I'm glad that you asked this, whoever you are, reader out there. I'll talk more about SpaceX some other time, but I've included or I will include in the show notes to this episode and in, the, and in the blog post that goes along with it, what it looked like for us and what we look like. So there are a couple pictures. Today, though, I think that I would like to talk about South Padre Island. SpaceX launches its test rockets from Boca Chica, Texas, which is at the very bottom of Texas. Basically, if you think about the shape of Texas, you think about its coastline and you go all the way down the bottom of the coastline, to the very bottom, the border with Texas, or the border with Mexico, the border between Texas and Mexico, and you come up just a little bit, like not even a mile, that is Boca Chica, Texas. And that's where they launch from. Now due north of Boca Chica, Texas is South Padre Island. The island's southern coast is about five miles away from Boca Chica, and it's the closest that you can legally and safely get to the launch site. Now, there's a hotel about a mile north the Margaritaville Beach Resort, South Padre Island. We, two of my kids and my wife and I stayed there, as did Elon Musk's brother, mother, and sister. The hotel is very nice, not just because it's the closest, but because it has rooms facing south and high enough that you can see over the neighboring buildings. So it is possible to see the launch site from about a quarter of the rooms at the hotel and the roof where Elon's relatives watched. Unfortunately, we didn't get one of those rooms. We watched from the beach. My youngest son and I, we walked down the beach to the, to the edge about, at about 6 a.m. on the day of the launch, which was 4.20. I think that was Wednesday. There were a few hundred people in beach chairs and blankets on the rocky shore when we got there. And about, I don't know, an hour later, my wife and middle son made the trek down with a few thousand other people. I don't know how many people eventually were there, but there were definitely thousands on that tiny sliver of a beach. There were a couple of makeshift booths selling t-shirts and a random pushcart vendor in the sand selling uh, trinkets, but mostly everybody was there to watch. And as we sat there, I thought, who's missing? Who's missing was the entirety of the local EDO and the local chamber of commerce. They both could have made a killing. 
The chamber could have sold souvenirs, distributed coupons, and offered porta potty access. I waited in line for a single urinal for 30 minutes. And I don't think I've ever had to do that anywhere. Not at any sporting event, not at any venue, not at any other event. My wife even joked that they could have had paid restrooms and people would have paid for it. The EDO should have been out in full force. Local events, especially massive events like the launch of the most powerful rocket ever launched, are huge. But massive events centered around an entirely new industry, that's just like unheard of. Anyway, they should have leveraged it to stimulate economic growth and development in their own community. And afterwards, as we were driving back, I, I jotted these notes down. These are notes, steps that I think that uh, communities should do if there happens to be a really large event in an, centered entirely around a brand new industry in a neighboring community, what should you do? I think number one is collaboration. I think that the community needs to establish strong partnerships with the neighboring community and the key players in the new industry. They should engage in joint marketing efforts and share resources to mutually benefit both communities. Next, they should support local businesses. They should encourage local businesses to take part in the event as sponsors or vendors or exhibitors, help promote their products and services and create new business opportunities. Transportation and logistics, I think they should coordinate with the community and local transportation providers to establish efficient and accessible transport links between the two communities during the event. This will make traveling to the community between the communities easier and encourage more visitors to explore. Totally, this one is absolutely 100% applicable. We drove from, after we got to South Padre Island and checked in, we drove to Boca Chica so we could actually see the rockets. You can get right up close to SpaceX's rockets. The, the rocket that launched and ones they've, other ones they've launched and other ones that they built that they ended up not using, you can get literally like there's a chain link fence between you and the rocket. That was phenomenal. But had there been a bus or a tour or something, yeah, we totally would have done that. Next, host satellite events. Organize complimentary or satellite events in your community that coincide with the main event. These could be workshops, networking events, or entertainment activities catering to your visitors' interest that are attending the main event. Totally could have done that. I think they could have organized viewing parties. They could have had, you know, stands or something. I mean, I don't know how expensive or difficult it is to set up portable bleachers, but, you know, that could have been huge. Anyway, workforce development. I think that having this new industry centered just next door to South Padre Island, I think they should assess the skills required in the new industry and invest in workforce development programs to prepare your community for potential job opportunities. Collaborate with local educational institutions and businesses and training providers to offer relevant courses and certifications. If South Padre Island did that, you know, they could be the center of the space, you know, industry or the, the SpaceX space industry. Infrastructure development, uh, assess your community's infrastructure and identify areas that need improvement or expansion to accommodate the expected growth. Collaborate with local governments and private investors to fund these projects. Obviously, tourism promotion, capitalize on the influx of visitors by promoting local tourist attractions, hotels, restaurants, offer special promotions and incentives for invent attendees to explore your community. I mean, had there been, you know, SpaceX uh, launch, uh, you know, dinners or whatever, we totally would have gone to those. Had there been coupons, we totally would have used those. Had there been, you know, buy a, if the rocket launches, we will, you know, give, a free, give you a free burrito or whatever, like that kind of stuff. Huge. And I think most importantly, post-event engagement. I think they need to keep momentum by staying engaged with new industry stakeholders and event attendees. 
maintain communication channels, follow up on leads, and seek opportunities for further collaboration. There were thousands of people in, on South Padre Island. I mean, I don't know how many of them were just looky-loos, but, you know, it takes a lot to get up and, and drive to the very bottom of Texas on the offhand chance that Elon Musk is going to launch a rocket on 420. I mean, you know, better than zero chance, but still, like, that took a lot. How many of these people, you know, want to be in that industry? Anyway, by taking these steps, you can position your community to benefit from economic opportunities presented by the massive event in the emerging industry, promoting sustainable and inclusive growth. Anyway, these are just a couple of my thoughts. I hope you've enjoyed them. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of Ask Dane, the inaugural episode of Ask Dane. This kind of content is made possible by our paid members. If you subscribe to the Econ Dev Show, thank you very much. If you would consider supporting us for as little as $6.25 a month, please visit the website and upgrade your membership. Anyway, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being a part of my life and my morning. And thank you very much. Talk to you soon. Bye. You've been listening to the Econ Dev Show with Dane Carlson. If you're an economic developer who never stops learning, for more expert strategies, fresh insights, and new ideas to take your career, organization, and your community to the next level, visit us on the web at econdevshow.com.